read one verse of scripture in your hearing. Colossians chapter 4. I want to read verse number 16. Colossians chapter 4. And we're going to read verse 16. Scripture says, when this epistle is read among you, cause that it be read also in the church of the Laodiceans. Amen. And that you likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. This epistle was written for the church of the Colossians and for the church of the Laodiceans. And I just want to speak to you for a few moments this morning on this subject, the cure for the lukewarm church. The cure for the lukewarm church. Amen. Could we just lift up our voices unto God and ask his blessing upon the preaching of his word today? Lord, we are grateful for your presence and your kindness to us. Lord, we are reminded every day by circumstances, by challenges, and even by the attacks of our adversary, we're reminded of our unworthiness. But when we step into your presence, we feel the affirmation of your love. We feel the confirmation of your grace. And I pray today that as the word goes forth, it would draw all of us closer to you. Oh, Lord, we pray. Let the anointing of God be upon your messenger and upon your people. And we give you all praise for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Sister Buller, it is so good to see you this morning. Can we give Sister Buller a great big hand? God bless you. We love you. Amen. And our praying for her, we want to continue to do that. In the book of Revelation, the Lord speaks to several churches, seven to be exact, and we have come to call those churches the uh, churches, the seven churches of Asia or the seven churches of Asia Minor, and the Lord had specific language for these churches. And it is true that this was written to these churches, but it is also true that there is a, a real meaning here that is, that is to the whole body of Christ. And, and I think you could even make the case that this represents not just these churches as a as a snapshot in time, but, but truly is prophetic of the, what we would call the church ages or various seasons and periods in the church. And so when the Lord in red letters in the book of Revelation is writing to these churches, uh, he is edifying uh, these churches. He speaks to the angel of the church. That's where we get that term. If, we, if you were here to hear someone refer to the pastor as the angel of the church, they get it from this passage. Uh, because his word, the Lord's word to the churches is to the angel of these various churches. And then the message comes. The message that comes from the Lord to these various churches, uh, is there is a very common theme or a common pattern, I should say. And the pattern is that the Lord opens up with a... Uh, a positive observation. He acknowledges something good about these various 
congregations. He explains to them what he has seen in them that pleases him. And while he's establishing to them and affirming to them what he has seen that pleases him, he's, he's, he's giving them, if you please, positive affirmation. He's telling them, this is what I like. I keep this up. Keep doing these things. Uh, and then one church after another, he, he transitions into a, a role of rebuking and exhorting and explains to them, but there is something I have against you. There are things you're doing I don't like. And, and he proceeds to offer correction. Uh, like a loving parent, like a loving father, he says, now, look, these are things I, I'm happy that you're doing. I want you to keep those up. And these are things I wish you would improve on and I require that you improve on. And, and one church after another, uh, he does this. An example of it is to the very first church he addresses, the church at Ephesus. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 1, unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. And here he comes with the positive reinforcement of what they are doing that pleases him. I know thy works, thy labor, thy patience, how you cannot bear them which are evil, how thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not. And has found them liars, and has borne, and has patience, and for my name's sake, you have labored, and you have not fainted. So, that's some very positive reinforcement of these people uh, of Ephesus. But then he goes on to explain, uh, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because you have left your first love. And that is an indictment. That is, that is a... A convicting word that you can do all of these good things. And we as the church, we can never let the good we do prevent us from understanding where we need improvement. We must be humble before the Lord and recognize that there are areas where we need improvement. Lord, speak to our hearts. And when we talk about the church, we talk about the church as the collective, which means all of us. But, but you can also talk about the church as the individual, which means you, which means me. We are both a collective body and we are individuals that make up a collective body. And so whatever is spoken to the collective is true also in its application to the individual. And so when he explains to them these things, he says, you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen and repent. My, my. Remember from where you are fallen. And that's how people lose and walk away from their first love. They lose their first love because they forget where they came from. They forget where God brought them from. And they can begin to be so Proud, God forbid any of us be proud of anything. Pride is not a positive trait. It doesn't come from God. God resists the proud. But he giveth grace to the humble. And God help us as we consider the things of God that we always remember where he brought us from. And if you're of a mind that, well, he didn't really have to bring me very far because I've always kind of walked the straight and narrow, you're who I'm talking to. Amen, because none of us can say that. We are all undone and in need of the salvation of God. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so God did this. He said, I see your works. I see this, 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 and this. And I, and I, I want to applaud you for that. And then he would shift and say, but there's something I have against you, and I need you to correct this, this, and that. And, and that's the way it is for several of these churches until you get to the last two, which is the church at Philadelphia and the church at Laodicea. The church at Philadelphia is uh, a, the, the, the name of the city itself is a beautiful name. It, it simply means brotherly love. And, and he really has nothing bad to say about the church situated in the city of brotherly love. And I think that's something we can take note of. When brotherly love is who we are, God is so pleased with that. He's more pleased with that than any of our works that stand alone. But when there is, when brotherly love is simply our identity, hallelujah, God is so pleased with it. He says to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, Revelation 3 and 7. He that openeth and no man shutteth, shutteth and no man openeth. That's talking about authority. That's talking about operating in kingdom power. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door. And no man can shut it, for thou hast a little strength and hast kept my word and hath not denied my name. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee because thou hast kept the word of my patience. I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly. Hold fast that which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. He that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. Hallelujah. He has all good things to say about the church of brotherly love. And then we get to our good brethren in the church of Laodicea. And the Bible has just the opposite here. There's, we, we see through the churches of Ephesus and Smyrna and Thyatira and Pergamos and so on, we see positive reinforcement and then a word of correction. And in the church of Philadelphia, it's all positive. But with the church of Laodicea, there's nothing positive that he can really say about it. And this is what he says in Revelation 3. And verse 14, unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful. And the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable. And poor and blind and naked, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest actually be rich. And white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint your eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke, and I chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent." finishes this outright rebuke of the Laodicean church he says now remember I'm doing this because I love you whom I love I rebuke whom I love I chasten be zealous therefore and repent and that's the word of the Lord 
for the church at Laodicea. And to all of them he said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice, hallelujah, open to me, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. And he's explaining to these churches, I'm giving you an opportunity to walk through an open door. But I am so captured by this church at Laodicea because I don't want that to be us ever, never, never. I don't want that to be the description of our generation, not just here in our city, but, but, but we have a responsibility in this generation to be the, the glorious church of the living God. We have a responsibility to be the people of the Most High God. And this being the last church that he addresses, it is, it is worth noting that our generation just, just really looks a little bit like who he's talking to. Because you are lukewarm and you are neither cold nor hot, but you are lukewarm. He said, I spew you out of my mouth. And he said, you are rich. You say you are rich and increased with goods. And you say you have need of nothing. And, and I'm telling you that you don't even realize you're wretched, you're miserable, you're poor, you're blind, and you're naked. And I'm, and I'm waiting for him to say, but you're still awesome people and you guys are great. And he didn't do that. He just It's just all like, bam, bam, bam. Repent. And, and we've got to stop here and say, okay, we have some, some, some introspection to do because we can never be the lukewarm people. And, and I've heard people preach this text, and, and, and through the years, and you have too, we've, we've heard it referred to and really trying to understand what does he mean. This is, this is too serious a subject to just pass it by and to overlook it and to read it and keep on going with our bread program so that we stay on track. We've we got to figure out, what does he mean you're neither hot or cold? What does he mean you're lukewarm? I've heard it preached that God wants you hot or cold. And that means he wants you hot, which, which means on fire. Or he wants you cold, meaning backslid and carnal and complacent. Instead of lukewarm where you're hypocritical. That's not what God is saying. God is not saying, I want you either on fire or I want you backslid. No, no, no. He is saying, I want you hot, I want you cold, I do not want you lukewarm. I've heard people say that, uh, that there are hot springs that have medicinal properties and there are cold springs that are very refreshing and that all of that is, it plays into this analogy. And I'm fine with that, that hot and cold, there's qualities to both. I'm fine with that analogy, but... Uh, I, th I don't think that's quite the accurate picture that's, that's being demonstrated here. He's, he is definitely talking about food. He is specifically referring to something hot and something cold versus something lukewarm. And he says, if it's hot or cold, I'm fine. But he says, if it's lukewarm, I will spew it out of my mouth. That spewing out of his mouth is... It is, a, it is an emphatic reference. It's not him saying, I want my soup piping hot or cool and refreshing. And if it's not one of those, then you can just take it back to the kitchen and tell them to nuke it. That's not what he's saying. 
This isn't, this isn't just casual. No, it is a definitive reference to food. It is something he puts in his mouth, and he is explaining that he wants it hot or he wants it cold. And if it is lukewarm, he is violently and emphatically getting it out of his mouth as fast as he can. And this is the case for the very same reason that when we go to the store and purchase food, and you grab a pack of, of chicken legs, and on the cover of the package it says, use or freeze by such and such date. Cook or freeze by such and such date. The reason is because this thing either has to be hot or it has to be cold. Because if it is lukewarm, it is toxic. It could kill you if it is lukewarm. You have to cook this thoroughly or you have to put it in the freezer. Otherwise, if it's just left out to the elements, it's going to be toxic. So if you do go today after church by Kroger and you grab a, just a pack of chicken uh, and you're going to plan on cooking it sometime, you need to cook it or you need to put it in the freezer. If you leave it out on the counter and tomorrow morning you're getting ready for work and you see that bag of groceries on the countertop and as you're walking out the door, you say, oh no, I forgot to put this away. I better put it away so I can use it down the road. Wrong answer. Throw it away. Spew it out of your kitchen. It is toxic. It has been exposed to the elements of the earth's temperature for too long. The earth's temperature is approximately on average about 57 degrees. That is neither cold enough to preserve something and it's not hot enough to purify something. And too many people of God are sitting out exposed to the temperature of this world. Too many people of God are exposed on a regular basis to the temperature of this world. And you're going around in a 57 degree world. And you're neither hot and you're not cold. And you're never exposed to the fire of the Holy Ghost. And you're never exposed to the sub-freezing temperatures of the Word of God. And so you then are, are room temperature. For too long. You're lukewarm for too long. We need a baptism of fire. Let me tell you what happens in a baptism of fire. It cooks all of the impurities out of us. There are impurities in you and I. I, I, I would say I hate to break it to you, but that's actually why I'm here. I'm going to break it to you. There are impurities inside of us. We are full of deadly poisons. The Bible says our tongue is full of deadly poison. That it sets on fire the course of nature. The Bible says that our tongue is a world of iniquity. That it is set on fire of hell. These are, these are absolutely condemning words concerning our tongue that we use every single day however we want to. We slice people 
people up. We dice people down. We talk about people. We make judgments on everything and everybody. We use this tongue. We trample people. We walk over folks. We say what we please. We give our mind on everything that comes our way. Our opinion has become God to us. And I'll tell you what, what's happened. You're lukewarm. You're, you're, you're starting to act like the world. You're starting to think like the world. You need to walk into the house of God and, and step into the flame of what we just experienced a few moments ago. I'm going to tell you, a few moments of that type of experience is something, it'll, it'll light a fire inside of you. You need to be in the middle of it. You need to get your kids in the middle of it. It doesn't need to be negotiable. It doesn't need to be optional. They, they don't know how to value it, mom and dad. You've got to put them in the middle of the red hot fire of God's Holy Spirit. I'm talking about tongue talking. I'm talking about dancing before the Lord. I'm talking about falling out in the Holy Ghost. We need a red hot fire of revival. Hallelujah. We need the preaching to be hot. We need the praying to be hot. We need the love that we have for one another to be full of the fire of the Holy Ghost. God said, I want you hot. I want you on fire. You know what I'm talking about. You know what it's like to go a little while without the presence of the Lord and you start getting cold and you start, you start getting lukewarm and, and you, the temperature starts to, starts to drop a little bit and you start thinking like the world again and acting like the world again and you start reacting like the world and dressing like the world and treating folks like the world. Just this morning, I was on my way to church, and, and there was a lot of traffic on the highway. And I thought, man, where are all these people going? Then I realized Bengals Temple had opened up today. And people were on their way to their church. And as I'm, as I'm driving down the interstate, I, I'm coming to a merge, and I realize I've got to get over or just go off the cliff, one of the two. I mean, it's, it's, I've got, I got two roads I could take here. And so I... I just turned my turn signal on. I saw a little opening and I pulled over. And man, you'd have thought I T-boned somebody. You'd have thought I had ruined the whole day, made the Bengals lose. I mean, you'd have thought I, they laid on their horn. I mean, laid, then, they, then they let up and laid on it again. Now, if I had been lukewarm, If I had been lukewarm, if I had been kind of camping out in the temperature of the world, but thank God that's not, that's not my story. Now, don't get me wrong. I've got a long way to go just to be like my Lord, but I'm in the skillet. I said, I'm in the skillet. I'm in the oven. I'm over the fire. Hallelujah. I got a long way to go, but he is cooking the impurities out of me. Oh, hallelujah. And instead of acting like the world and reacting like the world, I looked in my rearview mirror, made sure it wasn't a saint of God on their way to tree of life. And gave him a little wave and a nod and God bless you and I'm sorry and just kept on going. Hallelujah. Because we are not like the world. 
We are the church of the Most High God. Listen. We are kind. We are compassionate. We are good. We love one another. We don't slander. We don't gossip. We believe that's sinful. We believe that is sinful. That's lukewarm. We're on fire for Jesus. He wants us to either be on fire or be cold. Now that's the part that we don't all together understand all the time. What, what does he mean? We understand being on fire. Man, I know all about being on fire. Glory to God. I get these calories burned and be on fire for Jesus. But, but what does he mean be cold? I'll tell you what he means. There are some times that people are in the freezer and not on the stove. And, 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 and there's nothing wrong with somebody being in the freezer. In the church of the living God, there are some people that are on the stove and in the oven and, and about ready to be served. And there are other people who are in the freezer. And there's nothing wrong with them. It's just not their moment. Hallelujah. And I've been in the freezer before waiting for my moment. It's not a fun place to be. But God said, I'd like for you to be hot on fire. Or I want you to, I want you to be preserved where the impurities are not overtaking you. Even though you may not be out on the table all decorated and seasoned and looking gourmet. And I, I want you, I want you somewhere. I don't want you toxic and full of E. coli and full of salmonella. I've been in the freezer before where you're waiting for your moment to come and you're just sitting there with the, with the uh, spare ribs and the, and, and the, Lord have mercy, just T-bones and I'm getting hungry now is what's happening. It's the problem with preaching about food. You start preaching, then you start hurrying the message up like you're trying to get somewhere. But, but I'm just sitting back there in the, in the freezer just, and the door opens. And nothing like an open door. Whew. Man, the door opens up. Hallelujah. And that open door is what you can feel the you can feel the warmth come in. God has just opened a door. God. My season has come. Woo. It's time for me to shine. It's time for me to fulfill my role. Hallelujah. My God. And the great big hand and arm of God reaches into the freezer and grabs the egos. And you're like, I'm sitting here a perfectly good T-bone steak. And God is getting egos. And you're like, let go of my ego. I'm, I'm over here. Are you seeing me? Do you know my value? Do you know my worth? And God's grabbing egos and bringing them out of the and, and the door slams shut again. You're just waiting for your moment. It's not stammering lips. You're just freezing to life. Not freezing to death. You're freezing to life. And you're just waiting. Listen, you just keep on waiting. You just keep on waiting. Because there is a day coming. My God. 
My God, hear what I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen. Don't listen. Don't sit out on the countertop mad because God doesn't have you on the grill and mad because he left you in the freezer. Sit out on the countertop. Well, if I'm not for dinner tonight, then I'm just going to get a bad attitude and walk away. No, God has a time and a season and a purpose. Your job is to stay focused and to stay faithful. Hallelujah. And have a good spirit and a good attitude I would that you were hot on the grill or cold in the freezer but I don't want you sitting out in the earth temperature getting toxic and more toxic with each passing day and I'm going to tell you that's what the lukewarm church is it's toxic the lukewarm church is toxic and the sad thing is is that there are hungry people and they'll eat anything because they're starving. And they come into churches all across our world and they come in starving. They, they dig through trash cans. They're, they're, they're waiting outside restaurants for food to be sent into the alleyway. They'll eat leftover from anywhere because they're hungry. And we look and say, how could a person ever get caught up in a cult like that? How, how could anybody ever get caught up in some kind of a lifestyle like that? How could somebody ever get caught up in those kinds of drugs or that kind of chemical or that alcohol? I'll tell you why. They're hungry. They're hungry. They're starving. They're starving. And when they walk into the church, they should find something hot or something cold. They don't need lukewarm. You hear me? They don't need lukewarm. They don't need complacent. And they don't need carnal. And they don't need a church who's trying so much to be like them that they don't even know they're anywhere different than where they came from. They need a church that's born in the fire, full of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. My God. They're coming in hungry. They're starving. I'll tell you what they need. They need the fruit of the Spirit. What? They are hungry for some peace. They're starving for meeting somebody who's genuinely gentle and doesn't want anything from them. They're just gentle because they're gentle. They're just kind because they're kind. They're not trying to get their money. They're not trying to get anything from them. You're just loving, 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 peacemaking, 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 gentle and good. And self-controlled. Hallelujah. What if they walked into a church and, and, and we just gave them a heaping helping of self-control? Hallelujah. And they push our buttons and we don't react. Because we got that fruit, temperance, it's right here. I'm not going to react to everything you say that is offensive. No, 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 no. No, because I have fruit for you. I have temperance for you. I have humility for you. I have respect for you. I have love for you. I'm talking about the church that's on fire. I'm talking about the church that's either hot or cold. Hallelujah. But never lukewarm. Praise God. Praise God. And I, I want to just tell you how this happens because I'm reading Revelation 3 and I'm like, but God, you, you, you tell them not to be lukewarm. 
but, but how does that happen and how does that work? And it looks like he never does address it. Oh, but he does. And he always does. He wrote them an epistle. <laughs> he wrote them the epistle of Colossians. When he gave this to the Colossians, he said, this isn't just for you. I want you to give it to your neighbors, the Laodiceans, those people who are lukewarm. I want you to give them what I gave you. And when you start reading the book of Colossians, you start seeing what it is that cures the lukewarm church. I'm going to tell you there are three things that God gives the lukewarm church that will set it ablaze. Hallelujah. Or freeze it to the day of its appointment. But, but, but it will take the impurities out. It will preserve the church. It will purify the church. It will prepare the church. There are three things. One, when we understand who Jesus is my God have mercy hallelujah Colossians chapter 1 and verse 12 giving thanks unto the father which hath made us to need meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light verse 13 who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood even the forgiveness of sins hallelujah glory to god who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him. All things were created for him. He is before all things things. By him all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead that in all things Jesus might have preeminence for it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. Colossians 2 9, in Jesus dwelleth all the the fullness of the Godhead bodily. You know why we preach Jesus? Because that is the cure for the lukewarm church. Hallelujah. We exalt Jesus. We don't exalt people. We exalt Jesus. We're not after our own agenda. We're after the agenda of Jesus. Hallelujah. We, we, there's only one name being magnified in this house. Hallelujah. And his name is Jesus. I said there's only one name that's being exalted in this house. And it's that name of Jesus. And we take every chance we get to explain and express that he is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of every creature. That he is the template by which all creation came into being. That before God created the heaven and the earth, there was a lamb slain from the foundation of the world in the thoughts and the logos the mind of God Almighty. By him were all things made. By him all things consist. All things were made by him. All things were made for him. 
Hallelujah. Jesus is the great I am. Jesus is the altogether lovely. Jesus is all in all. Jesus is the mighty God. Jesus is the everlasting Father. Jesus is the wonderful. Jesus is the counselor. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Jesus is the King of Kings. Jesus is the Lord of Lords. Jesus is my breath, my sunshine. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Jesus hallelujah is the shepherd and the lamb. He's the root and the branch ha, Jesus my God Paul said follow me as I follow Christ let me tell you something don't follow me if I'm not following Christ don't follow me if I'm not following Christ Jesus is what this is all about. Jesus is who this is all about. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. The things of this world will grow strangely dim. Impurities will start to just be taken from your spirit. Hallelujah. The arrogance will start going away. The more you stare intently at his humility, the arrogance just starts, it just starts getting cooked out. The longer you just gaze upon the humility of Jesus. Your haste and your, and your anger and your reactiveness, it starts to just get cooked out of you. The more you gaze upon the patience of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, there's something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus. Like the fragrance after the rain. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Let all heaven and earth proclaim kings and kingdoms shall all pass away. Oh, but there's something about that name. Who is this man that even the winds and the waves obey his voice? What manner of love is this that the Father had bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God? It is Jesus. It is Jesus. Sad one, weep no more. It is Jesus. Oh, how I worship you. Oh, how I praise you. Ah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't want to leave this moment, but I'm going to tell you the final two parts of the cure. Number one, it's knowing who Jesus is. And two, it's knowing who we are in him. Hallelujah, for in Jesus, 
dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. In whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. In putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Buried with him in baptism. Wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God. Who had raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your sins. The uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened together with him. Having forgiven you all. All trespasses. Hallelujah. You've got to know who you are. You are forgiven. You are complete. You are clean. You are washed. You are redeemed. I'm going to tell you, when we understand who he is, and we understand who that makes us. We're hot. Or we're cold. But we're not lukewarm. We're on, we're, we're on the skillet. Or we're in the freezer waiting our turn. Hallelujah. But we're not lukewarm. You, you Listen, you can taste of this fruit and it won't poison you. Listen, you've got to stop letting lukewarm things, earth temperature things into your house. Some of your, some of your kids are walking around with E. coli, spiritual E. coli poisoning, spiritual salmonella poisoning because they're, they're, they're tasting things of the world and it's lukewarm temperature. It's, it's being served and it's full of toxins and microbes and bacteria and you've got to get them into a prayer meeting a church service uh, the presence of God in his presence there's fullness of joy at his right hand there are pleasures forevermore you're wondering why your children are, are having these symptoms that they have spiritually speaking I'll tell you what I'll tell you why they're eating lukewarm spiritual food. It's got to be hot or it needs to be cold. And the only way to establish that is to know who he is, who that makes us. And then the third thing is how to live that life. Colossians chapter 3. If you then being risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Why? Because they're hot or cold. If they're on the earth, they're not going to be hot or cold. They're going to be lukewarm. They're going to be the temperature of the earth. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Get something from the freezer and put it on the grill. Don't grab something that's been sitting on the counter of false doctrine for 10 days. 10 years, 2,000 years. Don't do that. Go get something red hot from the actual word of God. Hallelujah. For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. Fornication and uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness which is idolatry for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience in the which you also walked some time when you lived in them but now 
You also, listen to what else he said to put off. He said, put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lukewarm churches are, listen, lukewarm churches are, are so guilty of what happens in verse 9. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Hallelujah. Listen to what he said in verse 12. We know now what to put off. He tells us now what to put on. Hallelujah. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another. Do you know what that means? It means putting up with each other. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity. Woo! The agape love of God, which is the bond of perfectness. And now you're ready to be served. You've put off what you need to put off. You've put on what you need to put on. Verse 15 says, now here, here you're being served to the masses who are hungry. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also you are called in one body and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. I could go on. But I just want to suffice it to say, if we don't want to be lukewarm, we have to know who he is. We have to know who that makes us when we're in him. And we have to live that life. Even as we have been redeemed by him, let us walk in him. No wrath, no malice, no blasphemy, no filthy communication, no lying, no accusing. No, 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 no humbleness of mind. Forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel, you've got to forgive. Otherwise, you're toxic. Otherwise, you're not safe. Otherwise, people have to avoid you. Like you're poisonous. Because your spirit is. God, let us be on fire. Let us be preserved unto that day. Let us be pure and holy. Let us be humble and forgiving. Oh, God. Oh, God. This is the cure for the lukewarm church. Hallelujah. I wonder if somebody in this house could just lift up your hands and your hearts to the Lord and begin to worship him for he is holy. If you need a reason, if you need, if you need me to help you with that, just think about how good he is, how forgiving he is. Think of how many times he forgave you. Oh, let that settle in your spirit how often he has forgiven you. How often he has forborne your burdens, carried your sorrows. Hallelujah. Now go give that same love and that same kindness to your neighbor. That's, that's a church that's hot or cold. That's a church that's hot or cold.
Hallelujah. I wonder if we could lift up our voices and stand to our feet and just say, God, take all the impurities out of my spirit right now. Take all the impurities out of my spirit. Hallelujah. I need some Jesus worshipers to worship him right now. I need some Jesus worshipers to pour your heart out unto God. Come on, I've got these altars are open right now for somebody to say, oh God, oh God, deliver me from any lukewarm condition of heart. Deliver me from any lukewarm condition of mind. God, I want to serve you with everything I have. God, I want to serve you with everything I have. Oh, the Holy Ghost is moving all through this house. Let him move on you. 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 Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, God, oh, God. Oh, God. Hallelujah. Oh, God. Oh, God. In Revelation 3, the message to the Laodicean church almost seems hopeless. God is just telling them, you're, hot, you're neither hot or cold, you're lukewarm. I'll spew you out of my mouth. You're toxic, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. I won't let you in my body because you're toxic. And he says, you, you, you think you're rich, you're not rich, you're poor. You think you're increased with goods, you're not increased with goods. You're wretched, you're miserable, you're, you're unclothed. It seems so hopeless. But, but I need to remind you, there is nothing hopeless when God is involved. And it doesn't matter how hopeless you feel today. God has a cure for your condition. <laughs> Pastor Joel, I've... I've come in and out of the church so many times. I've repented so many times. I've, I've, I've done everything I can. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again and again and again. Keep coming. Keep struggling. Keep fighting. Keep persevering. Come on, weep again. Pray again. Repent now in the name of Jesus. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Come on, that's it, that's it, that's it, that's it. We're going to lift our voices to God, but God's going to purify us right now. There's going to be a purifying power come upon us in Jesus' name. There's going to be a purifying power come upon us right now in Jesus' name. <laughs> come on, let the flame of His Spirit, let the flame of His presence move upon you right now in the name of Jesus.
somebody if you feel like you've been so exposed to the world that you've just begun to to be like the world I want you to come down and step into this flame right now come on step into this flame right now you feel the sorrow of the world you feel the hopelessness of the world come on step into this flame right now step into this flame Jesus for my family, I 
Oh 